Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is Makisha Dockery, and here is a bit about Makisha H. Dockery. She is a talent development professional, entrepreneur, wife, and mother who uses her network, strengths, and experience to coach and advocate for students of all backgrounds, ages, and abilities in achieving and pursuing their career goals through experiential learning environments. She actively collaborates with influencers in Fortune 500 companies, nonprofits, small business owners, and startup organizations. Her work has been recognized nationally. She has served on nonprofit advisory boards and shared and presented her expertise and research-based practices to both national and international audience in organizations such as CEIA, NACE, and WACE, W-A-C-E. Makisha currently serves in her local community as founder of MHD Career Education and with GA Department of Early Care and Learning DeKalb. As a family peer ambassador advocating for parent resilience and resources for working families. So without further ado, please welcome Makisha H. Dockery. Hello, Genesis. How are you this day? I am doing well, and thank you so much for coming on the platform and sharing your expertise with the community. And before we dive into career resilience and some of the work that you're doing on the forefront, as well as behind the scenes, I definitely want the audience to get to know a little bit more about you. And I do that one or two ways. The first option is an icebreaker, or we could do a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Okay, so that, 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 Mm, that rapid fire sounds really adventurous so let's go for it okie dokie so we're doing rapid fire with makisha h dockery and genesis so question number one if you could have lunch or dinner with any person past or present who would it be that's a good question i'm not sure um because i i try to think about women who are like I said Mike Maya Angelo that's what it was okay Maya Angelo question two what's your dream car so I am a mother I want something somewhat functional but also can carry everybody so right now my dream is everybody in the same car at the same time so I'm looking at an Audi Q7 that can seat about seven or eight people Oh, wow. So you have a big family then. <laughs> it feels that way. <laughs> you just want an all expense paid trip anywhere you want to go. However, there is a kicker. They are not flying back to your home base for quite some time. So where are you headed? 
I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> Four, are you an Apple, Android, or hybrid user? Apple. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm half Apple, half Android. I tell people I have a MacBook because I don't play when it comes to my computers, but my phone, I needed to do a little bit more than just what Apple can offer. <laughs> <laughs> Understand, understand. Five, are you a coffee, tea, or neither drinker? Absolutely tea. Six, you just won the lottery and you're like, woohoo, yes, I'm about to pay off some debt. And they're like, hold up, Makisha, you got to donate to three charities before we give you the rest of your money. So what charities are you donating to? Okay, so one of the char charities is March of Dimes. Um, I would donate to our local church and uh, Junior Achievement. Oh, yes, I love Junior Achievement. And, and the church, the church is good because it says you got to pay your tithes and your 10%, although sometimes we don't want to come up off that 10%, but then we don't want to pay the repercussions that Jesus will have us to go through. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we're on question number eight. Keep me honest here. We're on eight, right? Or seven? Yeah, I think we're on eight. Okay, so eight. If you could recreate a significant moment in your life, what would it be? Hmm. Okay, okay. So, hmm. Okay, I would say I would probably recreate the birth of my firstborn um no maybe i should just recreate the moment when they told us it was a boy and then we found out it was a girl i don't know <laughs> we should Seriously? go back in time and get the right information maybe that's what i would do instead <laughs> oh wow okay that is definitely different okay well at least it wasn't, it wasn't double or it could have been triple. Cause imagine if they said, oh, Makisha, it's just one baby. And then two babies pop out and you're like, I'm only prepared for one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, it could have been worse. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> okay. Nine. You get to be a fly on the wall and eavesdrop on any conversation, past or present whose conversation are you listening into? Hmm. There's a lot of interesting conversations and now everybody puts their conversations out there. So I could say, hmm. That's a hard one. I have never thought about that question. And I literally have a list of like a hundred questions that I started asking my husband when we were dating. Like I literally was like, we're gonna just pick a random number. And that was never a question. So I have, I don't think I have an answer for that one. Okay. You want to pass on that one and you want me to pass you on that one. Okay. <laughs> Let me draw another card. <laughs> so okay. your other question is if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I like to levitate. Like People like to fly, but I like to levitate. I just kind of want to hover. I feel like that is more powerful. Like people fly, okay, you go away, nobody sees you. But if I can hover, you know I got some powers because I could have just stayed on the ground. But instead, <laughs> I'm just hovering over the surface. So, yes, I like that. 
And 10, our final question, which is our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed for this question and you get to ask me a question. If you play, I ask one last question. So do you want to pass or play? I'll play. Okie dokie. So here's the scenario. You're on a deserted island. Everything is nice. The food is good. The You're in the sea breeze. Everything is nice. And it's not hot. It's just, just right. The temperature that you like it. However, your funds are starting to get limited and you only could buy one item at this shop. And here are your choices. Two bananas and a mango. A t-shirt or your favorite CD. What are you buying? Hmm. The bananas and the mango are to, all together. Yes. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> well, it definitely won't be the CD because I don't even know if I have a CD player. So that would be pointless. Um, I'm... I'm feeling like the food could be helpful so let me do the the bananas and the mango okay so she chose two bananas and a mango y'all thank you for playing rapid fire makisha so (laughs) we're gonna segue into career resilience so what made you be so focused on careers has this something that you fell in love with or something that you just gravitated to well actually so I'll start by saying my career journey to being a career professional was kind of like an aha moment it stumped I stumbled on it in the sense where um, in undergrad, I studied business and then I started working related to my major, related to the field of business, and then I became discontent. And so I literally took myself through a process where I was like, okay, when was the time in my life? Now, I did this with myself. When was a time in my life where I enjoyed the work that I was doing? And it was back when I was a student in higher education, working on a college campus. And I thought, okay. And I was essentially working with students that were in transition from high school to college. So that whole being a resource, being an advisor, being a confidant, being a mentor, those were the qualities that I had for that position. But I still had no clue. It literally took uh, intervention, guy intervention at least three times. So one of the first times uh, guy intervention took place was when I was in my current role at that time, but discontent. I used to have a client that would come into um, the establishment ever so often and always say, you need to be in education. And I'm like, no, I'm working in this environment. You know, I'm I'm important. I have a, a desk. You know, I meet people all the time. I'm being promoted every year. I'm good. And every time he would come into the um, establishment, he would be like, you really should be in education. I'm like, okay, no. So eventually the short of the story is I started, my discontent became more and more. And it was like, well, what am I going to do? 
And he was, when I decided to transition, he was the first person on my mind. So before that, he was luring me and he was like, well, why don't you come? I have a small team, you know, I have a small group of um, young ladies. You would be a great mentor for that. Just come in and talk to them about finance and budgeting. Okay. Then he's like, oh, I have an opening for a math teacher just for one day. Like, how do you be a one day math teacher, right? But it was, come in, um, I, want, I want you to help just for one day, fill in and be a math teacher. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I was going to be willing to do it for free. And he's like, oh, and I'll pay you. So I was like, all right, I'm there. <laughs> Little did I know he was kind of luring me in. And so when I separated from that job that I had at that time, he was the first person that came to mind. I called him. He was like, yeah, you know, what are you doing? Come by the office and let's just talk. So it wasn't even a formal application process or interview or anything. And that first position was basically helping uh, foster care youth, uh, young girls who were uh, had dropped out of school because they were pregnant. So they were going to get their GED and mothers or women who were on welfare. So a very challenging population of people to transition to work. But that was the work that he was doing and so that was something that i became intrigued by being able to help them and get them to their next level but it hadn't clicked that i was doing career anything it, it really hadn't clicked it was just oh i'm helping these people and it wasn't until one of my students that was in uh, one of the ged classes said uh, my, my maiden name, Miss Hillary. She was like, Miss Hillary, what are you planning to do with your life? You can't just be here with this nonprofit for the rest of your life. You have more to offer. What could you be doing? And I would always ask them what was their career goal. And so kind of like how you stumped me and was like, well, where would you, what, how would you? And I, I didn't have an answer. One of my students was like, well, what is your career goal? And I was like, you know, I, I don't have an answer to that question. And so then eventually it led me to going back to school. I went back to school and still wasn't sure. I just knew I might work with college students and higher ed, helping them transition. Maybe I'll work in financial aid, you know, all of these different things. And it wasn't until <laughs> um, I actually interned with the career services department that all of everything just clicked. It was like, oh, I have been doing this <laughs> the whole time. Like I've been doing this and this fits so naturally for me and I'm passionate about it. And the, the big thing about what I realized about career, which was different from what um, I was in finance before, what was different for that was that career has the ability to help people with their quality of life, with their purpose, as well as their finances. And so having more than just one way to be able to impact somebody's life through the job or being able to, to touch people in that way was really profound for me and realized that, oh, that's something I've been wanting to do, but never knew how to articulate it that way. And so that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how I stumbled into um, career development and helping students develop. And it's so funny that um, you talked about the guy that was baiting you in because it almost reminds me of the person dangling the carrot in front of the rabbit. Like, 
If you come a little further, you'll get the carrot, but the rabbit has to go do the work. The rabbit's not going to get the carrot right away. The rabbit has to go through the process of how do I navigate to get to that, you know, that carrot. And then another thing that it reminded me of is this new way of doing business with this clickbait or these click funnels. So the guy was like a human clickbait because he kept telling you about different <laughs> things. And whenever you made it up in your mind, because you had to shift your paradigm that you no longer felt fulfilled, you, you weren't com- content, and there was something inside of you that was longing for fulfillment and you just had that hunger was whenever you picked up the phone and called him and he welcomed you with open arms because he was already waiting for you he just wanted to make sure that you were ready to make that transition in order to have the transformation but on your terms not on his terms so he was already using himself as a means to get get you to where you are and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go back to school. You went back to school. Did you go back to school for your master's, right? Yes. Yeah. For my master's in education. So then you went back and got your master's and then you started to see how everything started to fit together congruently, like that perfect puzzle piece or that jigsaw puzzle. And all you needed to do was step outside of that comfort zone. All you needed to do was make that leap of faith because God had already had somebody in your corner, but it was up to Makisha to answer that calling. And if you think about it, sometimes God is tapping us and he may not be physically tapping us, but he may be mentally tapping us, emotionally tapping us or spiritually tapping us so we could wake up and we could connect with something internally that's our innate god-given talents that vision that dream but we allowed it to lie dormant because maybe we were afraid to walk into it because it was unknown or it was foreign or we just didn't think that oh i don't see myself doing that when in actuality you are the one that is meant to do that so now you think about where we are right now in this present day environment the great resignation and you talk about career resilience how can somebody be resilient in the great resignation, maybe they got laid off or they got furloughed or their company closed, but now they're trying to reinvent themselves and they're trying to decipher, do I go back and work for an employer or do I launch out deep and cast my net and become an entrepreneur? I know it's going to be scary, but if I cast my, my net in the right place, like the Bible says, you'll catch the fish. But if you cast the net over here in unfamiliar territories where you don't know the blueprint or have the playbook, you're not going to catch any fish. But if you're obedient, if you discern, you connect with the right people, then you'll know where to cast your net. Well, you made a lot of salient points in um, asking that question. And I just want to dive into a couple of them. And so One of the first things I want to put out is the statistics or the the introduction of this concept of the great resignation. And right now, the great resignation is happening in the midst of unemployment numbers being the lowest. But it's also around the rhetoric of a labor shortage. So when you put these kind of statistics out there, you have to really ask yourself, what is really happening? 
And then layer on that a pandemic, right? <laughs> a pandemic that almost in a matter of hours and days and weeks, people's life changed, right? And, and in that first wave, there was a lot of people that didn't know that they were going to need to pivot immediately, right? And it's almost like the signs were on the wall, but it's kind of, from my perspective, it's kind of like people can see the signs on the wall. You can tell them the signs on the wall. They can read the signs on the wall and still do something else, right? And still go in the opposite direction. And until there's an abrupt, you have to change. And I think that COVID gave us that opportunity to abruptly kind of have to change. I mean, even the luxury of us being able to be in separate locations and have a conversation is, is part of the beauty and the opportunity of this time. So I like to start with that mindset when I talk about career resilience, because people talk about the layoffs and that's important to talk about, but it's not important to stay in, right? Um, the, the firings, it's, it's important to talk about those, but it's not important to stay in those places because you still have opportunity. And career resilience is about having that mindset of in the midst of what is going on or as it's going on, how do I bounce back? How am I um, able to adapt? How am I able to pivot? How am I able to take off from what I see maybe put on some different glasses. That would be great if I had different glasses, but put on some different glasses and see this in a different way. And that's what career resilience is about. And I think that is very important in this time right now, honestly, because it's what is needed. A lot of people say, well, you know, in this job market with the talent shortage, we need people to be trained to do X, Y, Z. Do you, right? We've always had an issue or we've always had people needing to be trained, upskilled for other positions. So that's not new. What's new is when all of the hotels shut down and there were no longer any conferences and there were no longer any flights and there were no longer, right? Industries that have been around for years and centuries and they were halted. And all of the things that depended on that immediately not do i need problem solving skills maybe do i need communication skills maybe do i need to be able to do some different things absolutely but what did you need before that that mindset and that ability that said okay i gotta reframe what i'm doing i gotta reframe my life i gotta reframe i gotta bounce back they laid off indefinitely right this was two years later. We're, we're going on two years later and now people are starting to go back and travel. But what were you going to do in two years, right? You talked about that banana and that mango. Like that is not going to sustain me for two years, right? Unless I know how to take those seeds. Here's my reframe. Here's my resilience. Take those seeds and plant them so that I can grow something else. But while I'm waiting for those things to grow, what else am I doing, right? And so I feel like more than anything, career resilience is, is that reset button that we need to always have in our mind to reset maybe before the situation happens, maybe before the layoff, before, and always thinking about how can we bounce back? If something happens, how are we setting ourselves up 
to bounce back for our careers as the impact that careers can have on our quality of life, on our family, on our finances, on our future, right? So I could go on on that, but I just want to hear a little from you. Like, what, what are your thoughts? So I come from this view with having gone through the pandemic, been laid off from my Fortune 500 corporate job where I was working there for seven and a half years and a total of 12 years in oil and gas, 15 in corporate America. And I was like, okay, I could see this as happening to me, but I could also see it as happening for me, for me to grow, for me to level up, for me to stretch beyond capabilities. And I am from a religious and spiritual background. So I said, God will never put more on me than I can bear. But whatever the skill sets that I have that I acquired through training and development from these employers, and what can I use to help other people as a solopreneur? So I was like, okay, I'm good at event planning. Okay, so I did some some wedding events. My husband and I um, married some people. My husband was efficient and I was their wedding coordinator, but my husband was also a chef by trade before he transitioned career. So I used my husband as leverage and then he used my skill set. And together we, we partnered our skills together to be an asset to people who needed the who needed what we had to offer. So we did some weddings. Then I was like, okay, what else do people come to me for? They come to me for advice. What about if I started coaching and charging for the advice I'm giving, especially if I know the results that it's driving? So then I tapped into becoming a visionary life coach because I was like, sometimes people, when you give them free advice, they don't always work it like they're supposed to. But when you pay for something, you don't want your money to go down the drain. So you're going to actually take that serious. So I started charging. I worked with a lady who was in higher higher education. She wanted to do more things for students of color. And she was a white woman. And she said, I just don't see the playing field being leveled for minority students. But I see you're working a lot in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I see that you have a book out where you talk about navigating your career in corporate. And my book is entitled Chocolate Drop in Corporate America from the pit to the palace. So that's the cover of my book, but it is very diverse, the cover and et cetera. So she's like, how did you do it at such a young age? You, you not only started over in your career once, but twice, and you got up to a certain level. So I was like, okay, let me, let me help you, but I'm going to give you the playbook, but this is a partnership. What I give you, you have to take and apply it. So that was a way for me to be resilient. Yes. I could have been like, oh, you going to let me go? Me? <laughs> but I was like, no, 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 no. So I saw it and it was a blessing in disguise because I had just lost my dad the week before to medical negligence when I found out that my company was laying me off. So it was hard. And then they gave me a contingency. You need to work up until February of 2021. If not, you won't get your severance package. You won't get your pension or the vacation time that's due to you. So I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm make this work for me. I'll work up until, but I'm not gonna work in the office. I'll work remotely, but I will come in and do a job handover. So, because I'm still in mourning and you're not going to force me to do something unless I want to, but then I'm also not going to forfeit what's due to me. So we could play the game here. So that's how I felt about it. But then if I didn't have the right mindset, I could have easily stayed conditioned and spiraled down instead of spiral up. And I tell people I spiraled up 
because I built my podcast out of the grief journey. I started networking with other people because now we're in an opportunity where everyone's doing Zoom and I can leverage my contacts that I made with that company into what I'm doing now. And then I could also meet new people by just asking questions. And I, I like to say it's shooting your shot because they're either going to say yes or they're going to say no. And if they don't say anything, I didn't lose anything because I'm still where I am. So that's my viewpoint on it. <laughs> and I mean, and that really does speak to resilience um, because resilience also has an emotional component to it as well. Because, you know, you can think about bouncing back mentally, but if a layoff is happening and that was the sole source of income, then there's an emotional situation that's happening. I'm, I appreciate your transparency and sharing that you lost a close family member during that time as well and being able to say, but that's, that wasn't my excuse to not be resilient. It was, it was my reason to continue to move forward and adapt and grow and figure it out. And so I think that that speaks to why um, individuals, when they're thinking about how do I retool, what should be top of mind as I'm preparing for my career, uh, as, as, a, as a recent graduate or as someone who just received, you know, papers or a Zoom call that this was gonna be their last day, or individuals that are just saying, you know what, I'm feeling like I've been doing this and the reality is I am not into this, right? Because there's statistics out there that say, you know, 15% of people, and this was before COVID, 15% of people are not even engaged at work. They're just going as zombies and checking in and checking out to get the check or whatever it is that they get and they leave, but they're not really feeling passionate or, or feeling like they have a sense of purpose for the work that they're, they're, they're spending their time to do. There is this one number, it's 80,000 hours. That's typically the estimated time frame that most people spend in career for their lifetime. 80,000 hours to be miserable for 80,000 hours is insane. It is insane. And it's just crazy, but it just goes to show that unless you are willing to do the internal work, don't expect your external factors to change because you haven't assessed where you are, who you are, and where it is that you want to go. And on that note, we're going to jump into the call to action as our segment is winding down, Makisha. But we will definitely have you back for a part two because there's so much more that I'm sure you want to say, but can't right now since we have a limited amount of time. So what is your call to action for our audience today? So the call to action is threefold. The first thing is to recognize that in the midst of whatever the situation it is related to your career, it can change. So it can change, but before it can change, your mindset has to change. So you can stay fixed. You have to have a growth mindset about it that I can adapt, I can adjust, I can develop a skill set that allows me to continue to see opportunities even when it seems like there are only obstacles or barriers around me. And then the last, I guess the second thing is to look at those 
obstacles and situations as opportunities. So how do I start doing that each day? Right. So one way you can start looking at obstacles as opportunities is to say, okay, so if 80% of the situation is going this way, the 20% is where I will focus or vice versa, whatever that situation is. And that can help you start beginning to shift your paradigm on how can I bounce back? How can I be adaptable? And how can I move forward regardless of what's happening around me? And then know, the last one is to know that if you change your mindset about your environment and where you are, then you have the ability to be in control and in charge and not the situation and not the circumstance. Awesome. Those are fabulous calls to action. And thank you for adding that value there. And how can the audience connect with you via your website? And where do you primarily spend time on social media? So the number one social media place is LinkedIn for me. I am on LinkedIn as Hillary M. And you can also connect with me at makeishahdockery.com. That is my website, www.makeishahdockery.com. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS, Makeisha H. Dockery. All of her contact information will be in the show notes, so make sure you scroll down and connect with her. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We are on 40-plus platforms. You could also see all things video on our YouTube channel by typing at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And until we chat next time, I want to thank each one of you for supporting the guests and myself on a consistent basis. Because of you, we're ranked in the top 2.5% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. So until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.